from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. Is a Tiny House Podcast. It's Perry here. It's Michelle, MJ. And this is Mark and Perry had a clapping really, accident. That was really terrible. Yeah. You hurt your left I hand. I hurt my left hand. While clapping. I clapped so hard I hit my wedding ring and wow. caused a trauma. <laughs> One of the, it's too early in the morning for trauma. I'll say. One of the drawbacks of being married. <laughs> only there's only one one of one of okay one of the many <laughs> well, if that's at the top there. of the list you're in good shape right. i'm with you there uh so here we are that's true we have an old time married guy we have a recently married guy mm-hmm. and then we have the cynical divorcee mm-hmm. that would be me mm-hmm. that could be a whole new podcast it could be actually it could, mm-hmm. it could do a lifestyle podcast absolutely on an rv <laughs> um, in an RV, on an RV, next to an yeah, RV, being hauled by an RV. I don't yes, know. exactly. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, um, I had this dream this morning that was so vivid; it involved lightning. And when I woke up, my ears were ringing. really. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's how real it felt. That's great. I've had some very realistic dreams myself um, before, but never like that. That was in, it was incredible. That was amazing. So were you like me? So yesterday I was reading um, or I clicked on the little weather app and um, it was showing the little lightning bolts mm-hmm. in the clouds. Is that what, do you think that's what prompted it? That's a good question. Are you know. one of these people that believes that your dreams is a manifestation of your subconscious? No. Really? Yeah, I don't. How can you not be? Because I, I guess I'm not. <laughs> so you don't, when you wake up from some dreams, you don't have a, why was I dreaming about a polar bear thing? And then you're like, oh yeah. that I saw one on TV no, yesterday. I saw one in my front yard yesterday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Starving to death because there was no ice Oh God, I'm so sad. Oh, oh, I could oh, you not, saw that picture? Nah. I couldn't watch the video. I, I had to go find it. puppy videos after this. That thing. Uh, it went so viral. It mm-hmm. was horrible. It did. It did. Um, you know, it's interesting. The uh, another thing that's going vir- viral <clears throat> is the popularity of the type of vehicles that people are hauling their tiny houses around. I am making this up as I go. Along. You're doing it. You're doing okay. okay. And that's um, okay. You're doing good though, because our next guest <laughs> has something also very, very unique that she's going to haul her tiny oh, house with. Okay, great. So this is perfect. Yeah, great that's the, like the theme of our shows today. It right? all works out. Yeah. So, um, was it polar bears? <laughs> so this um christmas yeah. so i i i asked this person to come onto the show today because his company is quite successful um renovating old um he's gonna he's gonna clean up my language here but old semi trucks and making them um rv class type vehicles for hauling fifth wheels and as i was thinking about <clears throat> tiny houses some tiny houses getting bigger and bigger being put on fifth wheels for example yeah and we, no more and, we, and more and more more and more and more and also talking about the weight problems that people have been having as they build their tiny houses that maybe um greg shield's uh business could offer a viable solution for some people i mean uh, not a 18 foot tiny house but for, if you've got a fifth wheel trailer or something like that it might be worth taking a look at rvh lifestyles um rv are 
<laughs> RVH Lifestyle. I'm going to call them RV Haulers, although the name of the company is RVH Lifestyle. So um, they're RV, RV Haulers. haulers. <laughs> they're RV Haulers. <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a dream. Down on the hauler. <laughs> Harvey Wallbanger with the Harvey Hauler. <laughs> on the side. <laughs> on the side. Chaser. I was touring a local builder and uh, the majority of their builds currently in progress are all massive fifth wheels. Oh, really? Mm. Well, this is huge, perfect timing then. Huge fifth wheels. Oh, interesting. 21,000 pound capacity, triple axle. Yeah, big ass. Wow. Fifth wheels. So this is this is a real opportunity then for people to learn about this new type of hauling system. Or at least all the people that are buying those. That's e- for damn exactly. sure. Yeah. Well, let's welcome to the show uh, the president of RVH Lifestyles, Greg Shields. Greg, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Perry. Good morning, Michelle. Hi, Mark. Hello. Good morning. So, Greg. Hey, just, just so you guys understand yeah. where I fit in, yeah. I'm an old time married guy. Just to fill in that gap. <laughs> okay. Him and Mark paired at yeah. the hip. Exactly. <laughs> How long have you been married, Greg? Um, that would require math, and that is not my forte. <laughs> not his strong suit. Ask your wife. Exactly. Well, so, so let's talk about what your forte is. Um, so, quickly describe in, in better terms <laughs> what it is that you do. And then I want to talk about how you got there. Oh, okay. What we do is we take highway tractors, imagine semis, as they're commonly known, and we convert them to pull tiny homes or RVs, fifth wheels, recreational vehicles. What we also do to those trucks is we customize them sometimes to put a little vehicle up there, whether it's a scooter or a golf cart or really commonly we put smart cars on a deck, a flat deck behind the sleeper. So like, most of our customers are taking their homes with them. A large majority of our customers are full-time RVers. And instead of trying to be you know, sticks and bricks living, they've decided that they want to set up home base in different parts of the country, travel the States. And, um, we, what we do is we allow them to pull the biggest of fifth wheels behind these semis. And and the you do a pretty extensive um, overhaul of the semis that you use, correct? Absolutely. Um, I. You said I could be genuine and speak freely. Yeah. People, people <laughs> call do. me anal. <laughs> uh, you just named the episode, it's, buddy. That's <laughs> a good thing. Yeah, we're really particular about. Um, creating as perfect a, a, and as safe a vehicle as we can for people to tow their homes behind them. Mm. Um, you know, when people get in these rigs, they want it to start every time and they want it to last for years and years yeah. and years and just be reliable and particularly safe. And that's what we focus on. Mm. How, well, I hope I don't sound like a salesperson there. Well, you're the president of the company. You, you better should. be. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did, how did you get into doing this? Well, um, as uh, where we started out was when my wife and I first got married, we were, we're kind of outdoorsy people and we were pulling our RV and a lot of toys and stuff with us up into the Rocky mountains. And as our toy collection grew, you know, we were taking more generators or things to kind of live off grid primarily. Uh, our loads get, get big, get kept getting bigger and bigger as well as the trailers. And it started to outgrow our pickup truck. And I said, man, there's got to be a better way. So I, being the kind of researcher that I am, I went away and 
kind of came up with this idea. It was really definitely not mainstream at the time. And I presented this idea to uh, my business partner, also known as Carrie, my wife. Mm-hmm. And she said, you're going to do what? I said, yeah, we're going to take a, you know, what do you think of this idea? Let's take a semi and convert it. Here's the key. When we convert these semis, they get titled themselves as motorhomes. That's the really cool thing is because we title them as motorhomes, you don't have to have a commercial license to operate them. He's already right? I'm sure you guys can picture these big ask. diesel pusher <laughs> motorhomes that are traveling down the road all the time. People don't need a special license to operate those. And mm. ours are no different. These semis have a fridge in them. They've got cooking devices like a microwave. They've got separate air conditioning, shore power. Mm. They're like a little motorhome themselves. Actually, a lot of our customers use them that way. But how I came to this was I came up with this idea and I built the first one for ourselves, Mm. for my own family, and for pulling our trailer. And it kind of became a hit. Some people learned about it just organically. You know, we traveled around with them and they said, wow, that's really cool. And me being a bit of a business person, I said, "Ah, this is really fun. Um, I really enjoyed building these, and it became my my focus, my forte for the last nine years. What were you doing before this? I am a computer geek. Oh. My educational background is in honors mathematics, honors physics, and computing science. Um, I've actually built a couple of computer companies over the years, and but I've always had this passion for building things, for making things, and you know, taking apart the toasters, if you will, mm-hmm. and putting them back together and having them work. Um, so my, my background is technical, but I, I grew up on a farm as well. I learned how to use my hands and build things and how to be picky and not ignore the small stuff because the small stuff turns into big stuff later. Um, so that's a bit of my background, but mm-hmm. this is what I've been doing full time and absolutely loving it. Mm, I can tell that you really love it. So we have a, there, there, a lot of questions come to mind because I've watched a lot of your videos, but let me ask you about the, the sort of the title as these things being titled as RVs. There's a, I, and I could be wrong, Greg, but there's a, there's a reason why you need a commercial driver's license to drive commercial vehicles. What, what is it about your RVs that now make them no longer needing that certification, that driver's qualification? Oh, that's a great question. It is our use and how we simplify and customize these trucks. So when they start out, you know, you can picture those two big axles back there. One of the important things we do is we remove, in most cases, we remove one of those axles. So it becomes no different than a two-axle Motorhome. Actually, it tends to be shorter than most of those 40-footers by far. What we're also doing is we're pulling very comparatively, very lightweight trailers, right? Most of these semis are engineered to pull an 80,000-pound load. And all of a sudden, you know, Michelle, you were saying earlier, a lot of these trailers, the heavy ones are in the 20,000-pound range. Mm. So because we're pulling much lighter loads, that are well inside what these things are engineered for, um, and we simplify them. We're allowed to operate them just as we do a motorhome. Do Hopefully, you, I answered your question. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, and so so the 
So, well, let me, let me follow up with that. So, so when I believe when you have a commercial driver's license, the reason why you have that, that, that certification is because there are particular difficulties with driving such a big vehicle. Yeah, that's part of it. I don't know that you know, but Mark is actually a CDL. Oh, Mark he has is. a CDL. Oh, great. Yeah, he actually went and got a CDL, um, I don't know, about two years ago. This is this is mm-hmm. Michelle's Mark, not Mark in the studio. Correct. Yeah, yeah, this is my okay. other half. Yeah. So he has a CDL. So yes, part of it is, of course, the difficulty. Part yeah. of it, <clears throat> excuse me, is the gearing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's not just like, you know, four on the floor kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they have multiple, multiple. Part of it is the DOT regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is understanding uh, where a truck can and cannot go. Right. Um, those types of restrictions. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the CDL license is really, really way, I learned that it was way more faceted than just figuring out how to back a truck around exactly. a, a blind corner. Exactly. Which, by the way, he could never do but still pass. So, <laughs> so, so Greg, how, how is it? How is it? I understand the, the weight part you described and the axle configuration. Mm-hmm. But how is it different driving one of the one of your modified rigs with a fifth wheel on the back uh, compared to what Michelle just described? Well, Michelle, you describe your mark operating, you know, multiple gears and that complexity of that rig. What we also focus on doing is we almost exclusively deal in auto shift trucks. There's no clutch on the floor, so. The truck controls the gears. It kind of senses that light load. It changes its shift patterns. It even senses the angle of the road, whether you're going uphill or downhill. Hmm. Um, so we've also, not only do we put simpler and safer to operate rigs in front of our customers, a big part of what we do is we orient them. We're very careful to uh, orient them to how they operate. We we teach a lot of, you mentioned backing up, um, I tend to spend at least two and on average four to up to seven days with each of our customers, oh. orienting them, you know, teaching, if it's a couple, how to back up, how to do hand signals. Um, there's a little bit of marriage counseling in there too. About <laughs> how, how, I belong how to, to make sure that we, we keep those anxiety levels down. But <laughs> one of the big parts of this is putting the whole system together. It's not just you know, buy this rig and heading on down the highway, it's learning how to back up, how to um, hitch and unhitch safely, how to keep other people in the campground safe as well. Let, let's face it, when you pull in with one of our rigs into a public campground, man, everybody knows you've arrived, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How many semis pull in with a little smart car up there or motorcycle or Harley on the back? Uh, you get a lot of attention. So, that's part of it too, is, is making sure that people are safe and know how to operate these rigs once they get them. Interesting. I belong to a glamping group and um, one of their biggest issues is the fact that the campground that we meet at every single year doesn't have pull throws. So the majority, believe it or not, the majority of the women actually have their husband drive their rig there back it into the space and then the husband like you know disappears, disappears for the weekend <laughs> and then he comes back to get it i'm i'm still i'm very fascinated in general with people that tow um you know that tow rigs on a regular basis or that don't know how to back yeah. up it's still amazing to me well it's interesting so that's an interesting question for greg so how many how many uh campground type facilities are equipped to handle such a large rig well 
we're not all that different from a pickup truck and a trailer. Hmm. We see people with one ton pickups pulling 45 foot RVs all across the States now. Nuts. And (laughs) it's true. (laughs) There's a lot of those rigs out there. So we're no different. Hmm. Um, We tend to be the same length. A lot of our, the, the tend to be Volvos semis in front of these trailers are actually more maneuverable than a pickup truck. They turn sharper, which is really interesting. That is interesting. A lot of people don't realize that. So we're actually able to get into a lot of spots that pickup trucks can't. Mm. And we're we're also seeing, as you travel down the road, think about some of those 40-foot motorhomes. How many of them are pulling a car? Have you seen that behind behind the motorhome? Yeah. You know, that rig is 60-some feet long, and it's the same length as us. So Mm. campgrounds are becoming more familiar with us. Mm. They... You know, when uh, sometimes I phone ahead and I'll say, you know, imagine, you know, a, a big truck pulling a big trailer, you know, can you accommodate us? They go, oh yeah, or, oh, you're an RV or, a, or a, you know, an RV hauler is the common term. Mm. Um, they, they know, feet. they know what, how their campground can accommodate us. Interesting. So I want to get back to the technical design because I'm really curious. Um, mm-hmm. Two questions. One, do you, I, I understand that you usually or maybe exclusively use the Volvo rig. Is that correct? They're definitely the most popular. Okay. Um, our requests for other brands are, are few and far between, but we do the others as well. But most, you're correct, they're oh, Volvos. Okay. And then, the, so, so the second question is, um, I would imagine that those rigs were designed to have those two axles in the back. How is it that you're able to get away with technically or design or engineering-wise to remove that the extra a- axle off the back? Oh, that's a great question. Um, actually, not Very only are race. we doing... <laughs> used Volvos, we do a lot of brand new ones as well, right from the factory. A single rear axle Volvo can be ordered from the, from the factory. um, There's actually quite a few of them on the road. If you start to look for them, Uh, FedEx, that's what they use Um, here in Canada, Tim Hortons coffee. That's what they use. This is a factory spec that we put these trucks into. But so we actually had the blessing of Volvo engineers. Oh. Uh, when I first started doing this, I worked directly with Volvo engineers and they even wrote specific computer programs to make sure that all the safety systems work in our trucks. Wow. A lot of these trucks have rollover protection systems that say you're going to a, 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 an exit too quickly. It will sense that you're going too fast and it will activate brakes on different corners to make sure that that truck doesn't get into a rollover scenario or it even senses jackknifing and Hmm. things like that. Um, They rewrote the programming for these trucks because I was taking weight out of the back of the truck. They changed the programming to make sure that all the safety systems still worked. Well, they didn't really change the programming because they already have it for trucks that they build from the factory. They just made it available to us to load in the trucks. Interesting. So when uh, Perry asked you about your background, I have to admit I was a little surprised um, because I thought you would have been like, oh, you were a truck mechanic yeah. or you were, a, you know, a diesel or a mechanic or a long haul trucker mm-hmm. or something. So, um, so you've been, I mean, in, in time wise, it sounds like you've been doing this for a relatively short period of time, given your experience. Like, how do you wrap your head around um, the, diff- you know, you used to, used to, you're a tech guy and now you're working on 
diesel trucks. You're, you're now like a <laughs> like a mechanic, basically. I, yeah, exactly. Do you just you just hire all the best and the brightest in the industry? <laughs> like, um, obviously, you're the sales guy. We get that, but um, like, how how did you bridge that technical gap? Well, one of the things, part of my upbringing was I grew up on a farm. Um, I was a bit of the black sheep of the family. I kind of left for a while to go get that education stuff done. But learning how to operate machinery, fix machinery, uh, maintain it safely uh, was something that I grew up with. Mm. And so that's always been part of me is knowing how to, op- you know, I, I drove the big trucks off the field hauling grain, mm. right? Um, when you were 12. So I knew about, I knew about <laughs> these. They, they've been familiar to me. And working with with big machinery has been part of my life. But you're right, Michelle. I've uh, one of my early business mentors told me to surround myself with people who make me look good, mm. and that's what I've done. Is I've made sure that uh, you know all the professional mechanics that work at our shop are uh, able to have that same attention to detail that I did when I first started. And and Michelle, my first builds I did myself. I built them for my family, right? For my kids and my wife and two dogs to, to enjoy. So that's never changed either is uh, I'm really intimately familiar with how these trucks work because I, I have helped build them. Wow. So, okay. Years. So the big question I have, and, and I don't, <clears throat> I've, I haven't looked extensively about your organization or your, your uh, creative output, but I, in the, in the time that I have looked, I have not found an answer to this question. How much do one of these rigs cost once you're done with them? Oh, we've got, if, if you're curious, we've got a whole range of them, uh, past builds that we've done and we've got the pricing, but if you're looking at a used one, they start really nicely outfitted around the 85 to $90,000 range. That's coming so out of your factory. To a pickup truck, like right. a higher end pickup truck. Right. Okay. Right. Wow. Um, and I, but I will admit we've, some people have found our YouTube channel. Um, I'm kind of flattered that people watch those videos and I think we're about 400 videos now on YouTube or greater than that. Hmm. We've had some people who are really creative come to us as well and want to build some cool stuff. So we do have rigs that are 130 and some of them are even more. Um, And if you're a lot of right now, we're building two brand new trucks of 2018s are in the shop and we're doing some pretty funky, unique things to them. And the price goes up as as people get creative. So they're, they're well north of a hundred thousand if you want to get fancy. So the, so the 80,000 price though, does, what does that get you? Does that get you the, the ramp to get your, your smart car up there or the automatic lifting thing? What do you get on there? Brady ground. Uh, that would be, so that's a truck converted to an RV. All the mechanical pickiness has been done to it as well. So it's ready to go hundreds of thousands of miles. Um, and it will have sometimes a basic flat deck behind the sleeper to carry a toy. Okay. Uh, depends a little bit upon the age of the unit, but it's pretty well equipped. Um, one that's fancy tends to be over $100,000, though. One that's got really fancy storage boxes and you know winches and ramps and um, all kinds of Christmas lights, uh, they're more than 100000 Okay, thanks. In the tiny house industry, uh, we're seeing um, more and more that the corporations are using um, tiny houses as corporate platforms. Mm -hmm. 
and um, they are right now. I've seen most of them, anyways, um, just being towed by, like you said, a uh, a typical you know fancy larger truck. But have you do you, have you also seen or noticed any new opportunities industry wide as far as the corporations that are using these? Because um, they're gonna they're really going to travel a lot more than even yeah. your average consumer or person that's going to, yeah. you know, um, live in their RV full time. Um, presumably these corporations don't want to park someplace for too long. So are you seeing any opportunities there? Yes. I'm, I'm working with some companies even internationally now that have their showrooms for their businesses are mobile mm-hmm. instead of, you know, going to trade shows and setting up the booth, they bring, a trailer and they've got all their marketing materials and their technology set up inside the trailer and they're looking for something, um, you know, safe, travel long distances, and carry those big loads. But yes, I'm seeing a lot of corporate people approaching us. Uh, we've worked with some of the race car industry, some, some rally car mm. uh, manufacturers towing big trailers with showrooms and cars mm. right inside the trailers. So yeah, it's it's getting some attention in other industries as well. Interesting. That's amazing. I was I met recently with the one the president of the home builders, one of the home builder associations here. And did you guys know that when they have these like home shows around the country at the convention centers, that they so the 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 product manufacturers right they ship all their stuff to the convention center, they set up the booth, they do all that other. When they actually tear down. Did you know that 95% of the stuff actually goes straight in the garbage? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So most hmm. of the time, these products oh. that are featured, not the high-tech products, but like your average home show kind yeah. of a project, because <clears throat> it is less expensive for them because the, the dumpster's right there. So their, <laughs> their labor costs are lower. Um, of course, they don't have to package and ship it back and all that, but 90 plus percent of the home style products um, actually get thrown in the dumpster after oh, these shows. I did not know that. Yeah. So that would be, that would definitely be consistent with, again, what I'm hearing is I'm pretty sure these companies are starting to go. There's probably a better way to do this. Um, and particularly for tiny houses, they get so much attention where, mm-hmm. wherever they go. So, so have you worked with any tiny house people yet? No, not well. When I look at my clientele, I have to say they're similarly minded. Um, many of the RVs that my customers tow tend to be custom. So they've started with a flat platform and they've hired a company to build them up. Um, but they're, they are their homes. Uh, probably 90% of my customers are full-time RVers. They've wow. chosen to get rid of their sticks and bricks for whatever reasons. They vary from, you know, it's always been their dream to travel the United States or they're maybe a bit of a young, you know, younger in their careers and they want to work remotely or they can work from wherever they are. And they just choose to have a mobile zip code wherever they choose to live is where they can work from. Uh, so I, I think the mentality is the same. I, I think they're tiny home folks, really. What is did you? Okay, so the um, sorry, we just had a little clip in the system here. Um, so the people that so these people you you mentioned in your pre notes that the people you deal with are happy people. They're <clears throat> the these full timers are they 
are they retired? Are they rich? Are they like in the tiny house community? A lot of the people are downsizing to tiny houses because it's just, a, it's a less, a, less, a, less expensive way mm-hmm. of living. Mm-hmm. And they're, mm-hmm. they're leaning more towards experiences instead of collecting things. And so this, yes. this tiny house opportunity gives them a chance to do all the things you just said, but these are not wealthy people. And so uh, in, in the most cases, is, is that the situation with your happy customers or, or do they rain, run the gamut? They really run the gamut. So I've got folks that have sold their condo and, and reinvested those, or portion of those funds in the truck and their home that they're towing. And I've got other folks that have moved on the other extreme of things. They've moved out of a 10,000 square foot home and they've said, I'm going to follow the grandkids. Wow. You know, they're done working. Yes, they are retired. Or I've got other folks that have just said, this is a lifestyle change. I actually just had a couple that we oriented uh, in our, our primary manufacturing locations in Kansas. And they traveled to Kansas. Uh, we've got a campground right there where people come and stay with their rigs. And they just said, we've had enough of it. We're, you know, we're, we're in our 40s. We're not interested in working in an office anymore. And we've decided we're going to, that this couple decided they're going to change careers and work from the road. Wow. Um, you know, not wealthy people, just average people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just thought that your, your rigs, I had not looked at the pricing and I thought your rigs were way more expensive than what you said. I'm really impressed with that. You can do so much and in, in, with such seemingly small amount of money. Yeah, I agree. I would oh, have really? expected, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I would have expected him I to 200 grand mm-hmm. or more. At least. Yeah. yeah I would have, I, I agree with there, you. Very rarely have we ever gotten to a price like that. Very rarely. Even with the, the automatic lifting system for the car? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I, you're referring to what I call my Phoenix hydraulic bed. We've, if I can describe what that yeah, is. Yeah, please do. Yeah. A few years ago, I, I engineered this way of having the deck, the flat deck, pick up off the back of the truck and go down on the ground beside the truck. So I had... You know, people that may have a motorcycle or they just don't want to deal with ramps and they said, I want to load at ground level and then hit that remote button and have it hydraulically pick up and go on the back of the truck. So that's one of the cool things I've been able to build. It is really amazing. Mm-hmm. That's why I love this show. <laughs> 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 we get introduced to the it's coolest so concepts. Like, it's you so know, amazing. like I'm sitting here going, I think I want to do that next. <laughs> I'm not even, do- well, I'm Michelle, not even done Michelle, with I what I've been doing. I tell you about doing. another one we're doing right now for a couple out of Georgia. They love their motorcycles. They are retired and they just said, you know, we're never going to drive a car. We love our motorcycles. We want to take both of them with us, but we want to keep our rig short. And I said, well, putting two motorcycles, these are the three wheeled ones. Mm. They're called spiders. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're kind of high performance. They're really cool. They said, well, Greg, can you stack them one on top of another? What? I said, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we actually engineered a lift that they drive one motorcycle uh, actually, they winch a motorcycle up on the deck, and then the lift lifts it about 49 inches up, and they drive the second one underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a video of that one? I'd love one? to see yeah. a video or a picture of that one. Yeah, that one. That, that I want to see the video of that one. Trust I, I will definitely be making a video. <laughs> that's stellar. Do we, do we have time for another story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got plenty of time for stories. Ooh. That's what okay. we're all about. I, I had another one. His name, Michael, 
phoned me up and he said, Greg, it's been my dream. I've been saving my money my, my whole life. And it's always been my dream to drive a big truck. But he was a little bit of a unique fellow. Um, he wanted to have bulletproof glass, what? run flat tires. Um, he wanted enough fuel on board to be able to go kitty corner from one corner of the country to the other. <laughs> He's an apocalypse. He's one of those like apocalypse, he, like zombie, like um, conspiratorialist. I'm, yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, but he wanted um, radar. <laughs> Drive at night, the, the forward-looking infrared. Actually, we had that all specced out. Wow. Um, where I had to draw a line was he wanted, um, you know the, how they drop chains on the road? The police drop chains. Oh, yeah. What's that called? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the rumble, or not rumble. Uh, um, something spikes? Yes, oh, yeah, road spikes, road spikes or something. He, like, yeah. he, he wanted me to devise a system of dropping those behind in case someone was following him. <laughs> wow. I, I had to... I had to kind Mad of digress Max. from that one. I said, oh, I can't do that one. But we had, we had a gun safe. We had all kinds of neat things designed in that one. How much uh, did that Fully one? camouflaged. Wow. No chrome. Everything was flat black. Um, I wasn't allowed to take pictures of it, though. How much did, it, did that one cost to make? Um, he promised that I would never say. Oh, he asked okay. me to promise. Okay. Was it one of your more spendy ones? Yes. Yeah. Oh, was that's... it the most expensive so one? We, no, no, we've we've done some other cool ones. Did he pay you in all cash? Those, those are really <laughs> the extreme. Like the, the huge majority of what we build in, out of Kansas is just for normal folks. A lot of people buy their own trucks as well, and they bring them to us for uh, upgrading. Or a lot of people, you know, they build these over time. So this is a, a long-term project where they start with a safe rig, and maybe they add the cool stuff over time, but mm -hmm. at least it, they get on the road quickly with a less, less expensive rig. They start their lifestyle. They start traveling, setting up home base, wherever the weather turns their crank. Um, <laughs> and then we add the cool stuff later on after they you know make a little bit more money or save, put aside some funds. Interesting. Hmm. Just for the record, um, the term normal in the tiny house <laughs> yeah, industry so. or for the podcast purposes is, it's a broad definition. Yeah, so you talked earlier, you made reference earlier that these are ready to go um, hundreds of thousands of miles. Interestingly enough, I drove a truck to the podcast this morning that's almost ready for 300,000 miles. Wow. wow. Um, but anyways, so um, how, what, is, what is the furthest, like how far is your furthest one gone so far? Michelle, these trucks are engineered from the factory to go over a million miles wow. without major repairs. Wow. Like without an engine rebuild or transmission rebuild. No way. Um, Michelle, what, what really struck me when I first started looking at these trucks was the warranty on the engine is 500,000 miles. Think about your pickup. Well, I was yeah. going like to say, you're, because you're, if you spend 80,000 bucks ish on a brand new, you know, F three fifty, super cab, long bed, blah 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 blah. Um so why would you do that if you could get one that has a five hundred thousand mile well, that's warranty why he's with doing this, right? That's, amazing. that's why we're doing it. That hauls better, that turns better, mm -hmm. that does everything better. So one of the things that you were talking about, Greg, was how much better these perform uphill than like a F three fifty. Can you talk about that? 
Oh, you mean we get to have a manly moment for a second here? <laughs> oh, Should right. I step out of the room? <laughs> yeah. Michelle, actually, if you go to our website, Michelle, you won't see a single video on our website with men in it. <laughs> I just want to no point that way. out. Wow. Does that mean they're all females or but, no people? Go, go check out the website. You'll see okay. all okay. ladies talking about these trucks. The, what, when wow. I do my orientation, we kick the men out. <laughs> right? the guys, get out of the truck. We're going driving. Mm -mm -mm. But Michelle, I sorry, I digress. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> so talk about the performance <laughs> uphill compared to like a F-350. Oh, yeah. The manly moment. <laughs> yeah. Like I said uh, earlier, these trucks are designed to pull an 80,000-pound load. So when I go put a 20,000-pound trailer behind it, these things just rocket up the hill. They're, uh, they're outstanding because they've got so much power, mm. right? There, there's two numbers that, that we associate with a motor. There's horsepower, right? Everybody knows about that one. What horsepower is is what gets you up to speed. The other number that matters is something called torque. What torque that. does is it keeps you at speed. Once you get up to speed, oh. it keeps you there. So pickup trucks, we see in the range of you know 400 horsepower. These trucks to have tend to have our RV haulers tend to have about 500 horsepower. Pickup trucks tend to have, and the numbers vary, but they'll have for torque. Remember that's what keeps them up to speed. They'll have torque numbers around. 500, 600, 700 foot-pounds, it's called. Mm -hmm. Our trucks have about 1,850 foot-pounds of torque. So when you get into the mountains, what it means is you, you can do 70 miles an hour up the hill. It's just, it's awesome. Wow. You don't slow down. You wow. just kind of set the cruise control and have a snack while you go up and down the Rocky Mountains or whatever <laughs> mountains you're conquering. Wow. Would it be cliche to say that your average female, new female driver is empowered? Um, I like, I just want to do this just because I want to do it. I just want right. to, these big rigs make you feel very powerful right. and you're high you're up in the high. air yeah. and you have all the power. <laughs> I like driving anything though. But um, so talk a little bit about that experience of taking a woman that's never, um, you know, that may be trepidatious about driving such yeah. a big rig and the sort of psychological process or the, or her, re let's say just the average reaction. And I know you got a story for this one. So Michelle, um, as I said, I, I've got that channel where I've got 400 some videos and you can see a lot of these ladies driving for the first time. And, uh, it, it, Michelle, that's the best part of my job. It really is seeing people drive their rigs for the first time and seeing them sit there and, and you know, the first couple of minutes are a little nervous. You're right. Mm -hmm. Then they start to realize it's just a steering wheel and a throttle and a brake and a windshield in front of you. And I love it. I, 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 I've sat in these trucks. I, I remember delivering one to the Chicago area, to Bat Patty and Bill. Now, I name all my trucks. They're kind of like my little babies, right? And that was Ringo, a bright yellow Volvo auto shift. Brought it right to their driveway, and Patty and I go driving. And we're on these, I think it's a slalom course. <laughs> <is what laughs> I remember. No shoulders, steep ditches, 
she's in this big truck and she's driving along and actually you can watch this on youtube if you search for the word ringo and patty you'll find it and patty's driving along and i'm videotaping her from the passenger seat she's doing this slalom course you know 50 miles an hour 60 miles an hour and she says so how do the brakes work and i said well they're anti-lock brakes <laughs> um you know they, they stop it's designed to stop eighty thousand pounds they work really good and she says well can i try them? we look in the mirrors there's nobody behind I us try on the the road so she just nails the brakes you can watch us in the video i almost went to the this, the windshield mm -hmm. and she stopped so hard she says huh they work pretty good <laughs> keep going she says let's go downtown <clears throat> so we proceed to go downtown in this big truck first time driving it's awesome that, i love it that's, well, so that's cool. the that's that would be the scary thing for me is driving something so big in a downtown area mm -hmm. i mean i know you see well, you I'd actually, we don't see very often, I don't see very often big rigs driving through downtown That's Portland. because they're not allowed to. Oh, they're not? Yeah, there oh. are certain regulations. Again, going back to that whole CDL, yeah. there are certain regulations about what size of rigs you can actually take in, you know, in a downtown area. So first of all, your, your average uh, RV, you know, person on the road probably isn't going to do it because of the, you couldn't get some of these rigs around these corners right. in downtown Portland, right. number one. Number two... Um, you can get yourself in some pretty literally jacked up situations mm -hmm. where you might have to, you know, be, um, but there are regulations also about the size of vehicles. It's, that's why the vehicles that tend to do most of the deliveries and so forth are kind of more like sprinter van-ish oh, kind of yeah. thing. So the distribution networks very much favor the big rigs on the freeways and the highways, and then they take the big loads, separate them into smaller loads, the sprinters and the vans and the little box trucks for the downtown deliveries. I see. You know, what's interesting, Michelle, is some of the technology is caught up to our customers. We've got GPSs now that are height-aware, length-aware, and width-aware. Wow. So you program, you program in your three parameters into the GPS, and it won't, it'll, it'll plan your routes so that you, it, it avoids those. Dang. It won't let you go down those roads. Actually, that's those are being that is actually being actively promoted in the tiny house industry in uh, particular. Mm. Um, be, especially for first time drivers, yeah. especially for people that are going to be hauling a thirteen and a yep. half or fourteen foot tall mm -hmm. tiny house. They don't know about what's going right. on the bridges, bridges or the roads yeah. or the corners. But yeah, that's a the trucker GPS is actually actively being marketed, and huh. I support that notion. Um, especially for Michelle, the people, I pay to have my move. There's RV versions. So the RV versions of that show where the rest stops are and where you can get fuel and where wow. you can get repairs done to your RV as well. Wow. They're not trucker versions. They're tailored to motorhomes. So, um, Greg, I got a question for you that's kind of off your, your hauler vehicles. Uh, I want to talk about the trailer a little bit. What if you had someone who had a... Tr you sound like a, an innovative kind of like scratch it out on your own kind of guy. If, if someone came to you with a fifth wheel trailer and they said, <clears throat> I want to put air brakes on this thing and cushy the same kind of cushy ride that i enjoy in your rv hauler i want to have that on the trailer could you do that actually that's the focus our latest focus of our business is we're putting together systems for people we're putting together the tow unit the rv hauler mm -hmm. the toys on the back if there are any the storage systems and the fifth wheels we're custom building now. We've got a couple of very unique technology systems we're building uh, in the next few months in the new year of 2018 um, that haven't been seen before. We're putting in 
super efficient off-grid types of air conditioning, uh, solar systems that haven't been seen. You talked about the suspension, the tires, yeah. the uh, <clears throat> the braking systems. Um, we've got a couple of rigs that we're, we, oh my gosh, I hadn't actually told anybody about this. Um, I guess I have now, <laughs> but that's what we're doing is we're trying to put together the whole system for people so that they just show up, they get an orientation to both the living quarters as well as the tow unit, and they're able to hit the road with some confidence. So you're, you're going to be designing and manufacturing actual fifth wheel RVs? Yes, we are right now. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, two of, when, when, we, when we expanded down into the United States, when we moved our operations to Kansas, one of the things that I did is I brought in, remember how I said, surround yourself with people who make you look good? Mm-hmm. I brought in two partners. They're actually two of my customers who've been really interested in what I was doing, but they're full-time RVers. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them has been full-time RVing for almost 19 years um, and has designed, I think, six custom RVs, or he's been in six different RVs with his wife, Jack and Danielle Mayer. Um, so I brought them as part of as partners in the company because that's our focus is we want to design the whole systems for people to live in. Wow. That's pretty freaking cool. That is cool. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I'm inspired. Yeah, it's, I, I just envision um, one of his RV haulers towing a fifth wheel that has a tiny house that kind of looks like the ones that um, that really hot guy that we met. Uh, Bryce the, Langston? No, not that one. The guy that we met with the hat. He wears a cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. Um, David Latimer. Yeah, David Latimer design. Something like that. Did you know that David Latimer's house was given away um, today? Actually, it's been sitting in... Uh, um, Sitting in uh, New York, the, one of the television, oh. major television stations have done a worldwide promotion and they're giving it away today. Which one? Hmm. The David, Escher or the... Um, no, no, no. David Latimer's. Um, no, it's one of his new designs. Oh, interesting. Huh. Wow. His, is, his are beautiful. Anyway, I was Amazing. thinking, yeah, one of his with no weight restriction on a, on a trailer yeah. that maybe that Greg designed would be amazing. Yeah. Anyway. I want to see some jacked up paint jobs on these. I know. Things well, too. that's that's what I was wondering. Is is how come we're almost out of time? But <laughs> how how come we don't see more um, flamboyant paint schemes on these things, Greg? Are are, are your customers mostly conservative folks? Are people trying oh, no, to stay off off the radar? No, we, like, uh uh-uh. uh you, you you can go see on my YouTube channel right now. Um, one, it's pulled by the RV hauler named Saber. It's a bright red flames arcs uh, they designed the, the custom uh, trailer they're call it their tiny home their mm. whole timing to carry their two kayaks inside mm. uh, wow. like oh no that thing is stand out in your face it's it, it <laughs> sitting still it looks fast that's my style <laughs> very that's my cool. style very cool well um Greg, it's this time. Oh, I want to do one quick. Uh, oh, good. Uh, one quick. I don't know what this is. This is a game. Okay. So I'm going to say some words and you guys lead me to the conclusion. Okay. 1971. Way before Michelle. Anyway, 1971. I'm out. You, you get to play too, Greg. <laughs> um, Dennis Weaver. No, not very yet. Okay. Oh, he's a he's a, he's an actor. Yeah, he's okay. an actor. Steven Spielberg. Okay. He's a okay. producer. He's a director. Director. His right? very first film. Anybody? No. Oh. Duel. 
Oh, I love that Isn't show. That awesome? Yeah, yeah. It's did, Jaws with a truck. Did you really? see that? Did you see that movie, Greg? <laughs> Duel. Wasn't wasn't that the one with like the Plymouth Valiant? There's the terrorized motorist yep, who's like, yep, yep. Yeah. with a big that, semi that behind one? him. Yes, yep, that's the, big the one. Se- I would say every 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 time you sell one to somebody, that that should be like your your parting gift. <laughs> 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 uh, Watch out for this guy. Exactly. <laughs> All right, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Greg, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Greg um, Shields, the president of RVH Lifestyles. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about what he does with these fabulous RV haulers you can look him up online he's all over the internet his YouTube channel is amazing Um, lots of good stuff on there darn it I wanted to talk about the controversy but we'll have to have him back on another time Uh, Greg welcome it thanks uh, for the time yeah we'd love to have you on again All right, and then Tiny House listeners thank so much for um, listening to yet another show the Tiny House podcast it was a pleasure having you here we're into we're probably into spring with this episode aren't we yeah, grab me into yep. spring. Well, Depending on when they're March. listening. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Be good to each other. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs>